ready? Come on, are you ready? All right, go to Colossians chapter 1 this morning. Colossians chapter 1. Father, we're so grateful to have this opportunity to break bread together, to fellowship around the Word of God. It's alive. Hebrews 4.12 says it's alive. The Word of God is a living thing, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder, to draw a line of distinction between bone and marrow. Glory to God, joint and ligament. Father God, even between soul and spirit. Oh, Father God, it's life, it's bread, it's food for our spirit. It's the source of faith. And Lord, we're so grateful to have found the Word of God, to have again this opportunity to be taught, to be instructed. Father, a pastor is a feeder according to Jesus. And so we thank you for that supernatural ability. I don't have it, Father, except that which you provide me. But I thank you for that office of the pastor. That God, that you would cause my ministry today to be effective and accepted among the saints. That you would cause me to come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ to these your people. Cause my pen to be used by you as the tongue of a ready, a pen of a ready writer. That I would speak a word in due season again to these, the apple of your eye, the sheep of your pasture, your children, the redeemed. Father, give them ears to hear. Give them a mind that perceives and a heart that takes hold. That God, that we could leave this place today knowing we'll never be the same again. Never be the same again. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, it's truly an honor to be called your pastor. It's just such an honor for me. And uh, I just want to thank you for that privilege. I know it's God's assignment and uh, you don't have a vote here. You don't get to vote me out. It's not that kind of church. But, you know, you could vote with your feet, and, and people have, and that's fine. I've had a lot of votes against me. Man, if I, had, if I didn't have all those people vote against me, we'd have th- three times the people. But I'm glad you voted for me by coming today. And like I just prayed, I'm believing the Lord to use me this morning to be a blessing and a help to you. And, uh, but I just thank you again for putting up with me. Uh, amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. We've been talking for a number of weeks. I think this is uh, the fourth uh, teaching in this series uh, it's become a series kind of by accident, but we're calling it steadfast faith. You know, a faith that is not steadfast is a faith that will fail. It'll be a faith that uh, is overcome. Uh, I wish that uh, the moment we said amen when we prayed, that the manifestation would just show up right then, like, you know, rubbing genie, the genie's lamp, you know, and pop out, you know, out comes the answer. You know, the Bible says in the spirit realm, The answer comes that fast. You remember when Daniel began to pray back in the Old Testament about his nation. It took three weeks. It took 21 days for the angel Gabriel to break through. But when he did, he reminded Daniel and said, Listen, you didn't know it from your side being natural, but I was dispatched the very day you prayed. And God dispatches. He doesn't delay. He dispatches our answer the moment that we pray. Amen. The Bible says concerning His promises... That all the promises of God in Him are yes and amen. There's no committee vote in heaven. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't even check to see if you've been naughty or nice. He's better than Santa Claus, I'm telling (laughs) Hallelujah. When you pray and you release your faith, the answer is dispatched from heaven right then. But there were uh, dark forces, spiritual forces that came against Gabriel and prevented Gabriel, again, in the realm of the Spirit from, you know, being as quick as he 
was, but Michael came, the warring angel, and strengthened, right? And contended with that dark power, that demonic spirit, enabling Gabriel to get through. So Daniel had to stay steadfast. On his side, he, didn't have, he wasn't privy to what was going on op- opposing his prayer in the realm of the spirit. On his side, he just had to believe. He just had to trust that God was good and God was faithful and God was able. And because he did that, he got that answer. He got that answer that he was seeking for himself and for his nation. Amen? And when you pray, you've got to learn to stay steadfast. You've got to learn to hang in there. Because there's going to be an, an unknown, an X factor. There's going to be some time between your amen and there it is. But so many of us, because of pressure and opposition of the enemy, we throw in the towel in that period. We never get to the manifestation, not because the answer wasn't coming, not because God said no, but because we were moved off our faith. We, sur- we put up the white flag of surrender. We yielded to doubt. We yielded to fear. We cooperated unknowingly or unwittingly with the enemy. He moved us off our stand of faith and therefore we're robbed of that good thing that God promises us. Amen? God requires faith. Faith is what we give Him in exchange for the thing that we want, need, or desire from Him. Amen? And faith isn't a one-time moment where you pray and say amen and then it doesn't matter what you say or right? it doesn't matter how you act. No, faith is a lifestyle. The Bible says that we walk by faith. We live by faith. Amen? We get in faith and we stay in faith like a bulldog. We grab hold of that thing. We're not going to let go until the answer shows up. Amen. Amen. That's why Paul had to, you know, it's interesting. Paul didn't say this to a new believer. He didn't say this to a baby Christian. Of course it would apply. But he said it to a spirit-filled, anointed pastor in Timothy when he said, Timothy, fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. So the strongest among us need to be reminded sometimes, amen, that we need to fight the good fight of faith. Now, there'll be a day where there won't be a fight to your faith. But there is. As long as there's a devil out there running loose, there's going to be an opposition come to your faith when you release it. We're not to be scared of that, intimidated by that, amen. But opposition's real. You shouldn't need a Ph.D. in theology to have that. You probably got that figured out already. Amen. So what we're endeavoring to do is to bolster your faith and to show you some things from the Word of God that will enable you, if you'll listen and put these things into practice, enable you not to have moments of faith, but steadfast, constant, immovable faith, a faith that receives the victory. Amen. And that's what we need, right? That's what your family needs. That's what the people around you need to see. Amen. Because you'll become a witness. You'll become a witness and a testimony to people around you. People ought to come eventually that know you, that aren't walking with God and say, you know, I don't get you. You never get sick. Your kids never get sick. What's wrong? I don't, our kid, we go through these seasons, but you never get sick. Or they have all this stuff. Man, you're never worried. You're never troubled. You're never anxious. What's up with you? We say, well, the Word is up with me. Jesus is up with me. I'll tell you all about it if you got time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, I don't get you. Your bills are always paid. You never seem to have any problems. And of course, you say, well, brother. But the thing is, you, don't, you just don't, faith people don't tell, you just don't tell everybody about all their problems. 
we're not saying we don't have tests or trials. I hope you don't look at my life and think, oh, he doesn't have, man, he just, you know, God threw him in a pool of chocolate. I mean, it's just all sweet and cream and strawberries for him. Sometimes I feel like God left me out there hanging on a thread and forgot about me. But you know, he didn't. Amen. Faith people don't go around telling everybody about their problems. Right? Because they're standing on the word. But that doesn't mean that they're not dealing with stuff. Look here in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 23. In the King James, Paul says, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now, what is pastor taught you is the biggest word in the Bible. It is the largest, most consequential, the most impactful, the most uh, determining word in the Bible is that little word, if. You see, there should never be an if in these kind of scriptures if it's all up to God. People believe it's all up to God. Well, if God wants me to have that job, I'll have it. If God wants me to have good marriage, He'll give it to me. If God wants me to be healed, He'll heal me. People believe like that, die. Because it's not all up to God. So much of the time it says, if you. From the Old Testament all the way through the New, God says, if you. Right? Come on. John chapter 15, verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall have, right, whatever you desire of me. Five times in that verse, you is mentioned. One time in that verse, God is mentioned. So see, if, 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 if I, I won't point at you, if I, come on, if I abide in Christ, have a living, maintain a living, I'm not talking about, so I said a prayer and accepted Jesus when I was four years old, but I've been living like a living for the devil, wearing the devil's t-shirt for 45 years. That's not what I'm talking Jesus said, if you abide in me, you maintain a living, constant, Union and connection with me and my words have found their home in your heart. Right? Meaning you've built the word of God into you to where where it's become a part of your very being. Then you shall ask whatever you will and it will be given unto you. Hallelujah. Way back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 28, if you listen. That's what he said, if you'll hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do according to all that is written today, amen, to obey his voice, then all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. And you get to shouting, but see, it's not on God, it's on you. It's on me. And don't receive that. Your attitude towards the Scriptures are paramount. So important. Amen? When I hear verses like that, my response is, thank God. Meaning, God has put it within my hand. I like it when things are in my hand, where I can affect the outcome. And God has put His promises in my hand. God has put the covenant in my hand. God has put healing in my hand. God has put long life in my hand. God has put divine protection as a daddy for my kids in my hand. Come on. God is the constant. He is the never changing, always faithful, does His part, never fails. If you do your part, the outcome is certain. So the the variable is you and me. Hallelujah. Well, is there an if here? There's an if. 
The if is if you what? Continue in the faith. And then he describes this so wonderfully. If you continue settled. Come on. You know someone who's really in faith about their healing? They have got it settled. They're not troubled on the inside. They're not entertaining a lot of questions. They have settled it. And really it doesn't matter what the doctor comes along and says. It doesn't matter what their body chimes up and says. It doesn't matter how long symptoms seem to persist. They have settled it. The same thing is true. Come on. Uh, in, every, in, every, in every area. Right? So when it comes to the money you ask God for, and every minute of every day the deadline is getting closer. Well, see, you're not troubled if you're in faith. It doesn't matter if, the, if it's the day before. And you can't see any earthly avenue by which that money could still come by the deadline. Faith has already settled it. I've already got it settled. This need is met, not by me, but by Him, by Christ. The need is met according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And this person will never be disappointed. The Bible says, He that believeth hath, and he that believeth shall never be put to shame. You never. People say, don't get your hopes Oh, I wouldn't get my hopes up. No, you get, you get them way. You need to push them up higher. Get them way up higher. You, you got to watch your fellowship around all these Christian wet blankets that want to throw a wet blanket on your fire. I love the body of Christ and I love Christians, but I, I'm not going to fellowship around wet blanket Christians who are full of doubt, full of unbelief, full of religious tradition, and trying to tell me if God wants me to have it, I will, but if not, you know, there's no changing it. If that's true, God lied. And y'all know what I'm going to do if God lied. What am I going to do, Austin? I'm going to go back to drinking beer. That's right. Hallelujah. I'm not going back. God never failed me. So he said, you've got to have it grounded. You've got to be settled. Now notice the next phrase, and be not moved away. Be not moved away. Now that implies there's something implied there. If you think about it, there's going to come a force. There's going to come a force against you and me that's going to try, PJ, to move you away from the hope that you have. And this is what we have to learn to overcome if we're going to see the answer to our prayer. The Amplified Translation I just, just really like of this verse. It says, and this He will do. Referring to God, capital He, right? And this He will do provided... Right? See, every promise of God, everyone is conditional. Right? Oh, but He loves me. That's not, that's, that's not a promise. That's just a fact. He loves you. We're talking about promises. You know, he's promised to save you, but that's conditional on you confessing and forsaking your sin and receiving him as Lord. You don't do that. You're going to go to hell sure enough. So the salvation is, yeah, oh, it's free. Yeah, it's free, but you better take it. You better put your name down on the list. Right? You can't live any old way you want. Divide churches, tear up your marriage, and walk in divine health. No, you can't do that. You can't be a sipping Christian, sipping saint, live like the world, watch rated R movies, 
Come on and, and then just go pray a prayer in Jesus' name. Expect God to move mountains for you. You unclean thing. You need to get clean. You get yourself separated from the world. Right? Jesus said when you, he said, hey, and when you pray, you better forgive. Forgive who? If you have aught against any, he said. Right? In other words, implying you don't forgive your husband, you don't forgive your wife, you don't forgive your boss, you don't forgive that one who was racial, you don't forgive that one who, you know, uh, whatever, man. I had a little stupid kid with five of his, four of his friends in a Jeep just tried to almost kill me yesterday on the highway. Man, I had to forgive him. Stupid kid. And then I said, lest you know, I was a stupid kid. Did stupid stuff like that. So have mercy on him, Father. Yeah. He was going to get the worst of that thing because I got my angels with me. I'm big, big old expedition. But he had four of his friends in there with him. Anyway. Hallelujah. See, you got to be quick to forgive. And this he will do provided that you continue to stay with and in faith, well-grounded, settled and steadfast, not shifting or moving away from the hope that is rested upon the good news or the Word of God. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. So we've already said to you, but we want to say it again as you turn to uh, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5, that faith that doesn't change always wins. The faith that does not change, or you could say it this way, the faith that stays the same always wins. The faith that stays the same always has the money come. Always has the bills paid. Always has the disease driven out. Always receives healing from the pain. Always. Right? If that's not true, the Word is not right. Hallelujah. But the Word is right. The Word is right. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, First Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, we were here last week if you were here, and we were looking at this, it's so wonderful, so good, glory to God, I know I have a fifth chapter in here somewhere, there it is, all right, praise God, look at verse number 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting how much? All, all, that means you don't get to hold on to any of your worries. You ought to give even the little ones up to Him. Don't worry about anything, Philippians 4, 6 says. Don't be anxious for even one thing, the Amplified says. Come on. But He says, casting all your care, that word means worry, concerns, anxieties upon Him. Now why? Isn't this good? Because He cares. He cares for you and He cares for me. But then notice the admonition right on the other side of this Wonderful verse, verse 7. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your adversary, that's personal. You have an adversary, his name's the devil. The next two words tell you that. As a roaring lion, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. And isn't this good? That, that tells me he can't devour everybody. Or he just take his pick. But he's seeking those whom he can devour. 
Well, who can he devour? The one who's not yet learned to stay steady and unmovable and unchanging against his onset, against his attack. Amen. The only way he's going to know on his side if you're one he can devour or not is to attack you and find out what you do. And how you respond, how I respond to his attack is going to let him know whether or not you can be a prey or if you're going to eat his lunch and make him pay. See, I'm a poet, didn't know it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well, see, it's up to us to be what, what kind of person do we want to be? I want to be the kind of person that's got such a reputation with the devil that the devil comes by and says, you know what, not today. I don't need to deal with that today. He is just too intense for me. There's easier pickings out here. You know, when a lion or any real uh, animal of prey, they don't expend all the energy they have. They're going to look and see the, the weak one, the slow one, the one that's not paying attention. You know, that antelope that's all going, oh, it's a pretty tree. He's not paying attention. And so many Christians go through life like, who is he? And the devil's, man, not doing anything about the devil in their life. <laughs> they got whole churches built on that. No, he said, be sober. Not scared, not intimidated. Paying, the Cody translation of that phrase might say, pay attention. Pay attention. Because you have an adversary looking for somebody weak. You ought to not put off an odor of weakness in your spiritual life. And you stink of weakness if you had read your Bible this week. And that was kind of bold, but anyway, hallelujah. Come on, we stink of weakness and vulnerability if we hadn't prayed in tongues. You know, and spending, not just praying in tongues, but having fellowship with God. and You know, uh, having communion with the Lord. We, 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 we put off a fragrance of come get me, I'm your lunch today, if we haven't been confessing the word over our life this week. Well, pastor, man, I just get tired of saying stuff. Your mouth is moving all the time. Mine is too. Make it say the right thing. Make your words do their work. The fight of faith, church, is a fight over words. Write that down. Don't ever forget that. The fight of faith. What is it about? It's about words. It's about words. 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 Words created everything. Words are the dominant, governing, dictating force in the spirit realm. See, if people don't like the life they have today, how did that come about? Well... You know, I know there's a lot of factors, a lot of forces, but if you've been living very long, everything in your life today is a product of the words you said yesterday. That's Mark 11, 23. It's Proverbs 18, 21. Right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. A lot of times we read that and we think death and life's in the power of God. I mean, if death and life's in the power of anybody, death is going to be in the power of God. You know, that's not what it says. Death and life's in the power of the tongue. Yeah. 
Amen. So you see, you've got to make your tongue work for you, not against you. Praise God. See, I'm so thankful in the little instance like that where goofy people try to do dangerous stuff right in front of me that could affect me. My son and I are just going down the road trying to go home, mind our own business. But see, I've been saying every day of my life for the last several many years, I'm kept, my family and I were kept by the power of God in every arena of our... So those words are, have been going out ahead of me in every direction for years now. So when I find myself in dangerous situations, I've already got those words out there. Right? People go out and talk about Murphy's Law and how they're, they're, the, they're the dictionary image of Murphy's Law. You know what they say about Murphy's Law? If anything bad could happen, it will, sure enough. That's not the word. can't find Murphy's Law in the word. Hallelujah. I'm feeling kind of honored today. Hallelujah. Oh, but it's all about help. It's all about help, right? Praise God. Amen. All right, man. There it is. Praise the Lord. Be sober. Be vigilant. Pay attention. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast. Steadfast. You know what that's going to tell you? You're not going to feel like it. You're going to have to do it longer than you wanted to. To be steadfast. You're going to have to make a conscious decision to stay with it, to stay at it, to keep believing, to not doubt, to not yield to fear in the face of, you know, contradictory evidence and circumstances. Then he goes on and says something, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren in the world, but the God of all favor and grace, who has called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus after... Now, I wish it was before, but it says after, you have suffered a while. Now, what is this suffering? Well, the suffering here is the suffering of the attack of the enemy. The constant, unwanted, uninvited bombardment upon the mind. Now, remember I taught you last week, I just thought it was so insightful, the word devil. He says your adversary, the devil. The word, I didn't know this till last week, but the word devil... What it means is one who throws or casts objects with the intention of penetrating the object, the target, not a little bit, but all the way through till it goes out the other side. That's what the word devil means. You guys ever been out hiking or ever been out doing a sightseeing and you see the effect of water on rock or mountains? Water, wow, that's powerful, isn't it? And uh, I was just reminded, listening to my, my friend Dr. Hattabaugh was teaching a message recently, and we were out on one of our hiking trips, backpacking trips, and we had come around a bend, and he saw a, 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 just a single, slow, steady drip of water, not a stream, but just a slow drip of water coming off a rock, and the Lord arrested him on the hike and said, Stand here a minute, I want to show you something. And so he did. And he said, Look at the rock. And the rock was well on its way to being completely hollowed out. We're talking about a boulder, something hard, something that's resistant, right? And yet this single light drop of water, drip, 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 steady, constant. The repetition of that single drop of water was hollowing out. 
that rock. And he said, he said to Dennis, this is what the devil wants to do to the mind of every Christian. With a steady, constant line of mental attack, he wants to hollow you out until you give up and quit. That's what the word devil actually means. So when God used this Greek word for devil, he's endeavoring not to tell us, you know, we have this big bad image of devil. He's wanting to instruct us about how the devil comes against us. Again, so many Christians are totally oblivious still to this process of the enemy. Like a sniper with a very honed attack and you're the target and bam. And, and, and you may get this in one area, but he may, he may line up demons in a, in a circling firing squad. And on one side, he's going to attack your self-esteem. And then he's going to tell you how unattractive you are. And then he's going to magnify all your mistakes. And he's just going to hit you, right? And he's not going to just hit a drop and go away. But he's just going to, uh, 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 uh. Right? What does Peter tell us is the answer to this? Fight back resist resist him now go over to Ephesians chapter 6 y'all okay there, the devil is defeated by Jesus robbed of his power and ability to overcome us and hurt us but he's loose and he is called an adversary an opponent one that we must contend with and deal with and simple teaching and instruction and knowledge of how to do it will revolutionize your life and totally set you free and keep you on a ground where your faith wins and the devil loses in every area, every single time. Come on, that's the goal. That's the goal. Hallelujah. So this is not Peter, of course. This is Paul. And in verse number 10, notice what he says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against or resist the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle. Now I want to stop there. That word wrestle, if you study it, it does mean a contest. You know, like Malachi and the writers here, wrestling family, they know all about this. Man, there's an engagement, right? One against another, an opponent on the mat, on the field of battle, whatever. But there's another dominant meaning in this Greek word, and it means to sway. The wrestling we have with the enemy is his attempts to sway us. He wants to sway you. See, when you said, by his stripes I am healed, you made a declaration of faith for yourself on God's word. That's what you have declared. He's got to now try to... The only way He can keep you from being healed is to sway you into a... The word sway means to, with pervasive arguments, get one to change their position. How's the devil going to do this? He doesn't show up in my bedroom and have a conversation with me. Actually, he does. But it, you don't recognize it. It comes in the form of a thought to your mind. It just comes in, the, and sometimes it can be so subtle you think it's you. You think it's you. For years I walked around 
I walked around with this thought, I'm going to kill you with cancer. Now that's weird. That came in the third person. If it was my thought, I would think something like, man, I'm really concerned I'm going to die of cancer. First person. But the thought came, I'm going to kill you. I am going to kill you sure enough. Just the way your grandpa-dads went out, I'm going to kill you with cancer. You're going out of here. And I'd have that thought. 18, 19, 20, 21. I'd walk around with that thought. I didn't know where it came from. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even know why I was having it. But it was troubling. But as I got in my Bible, I found out. Right? See, and this is, this is interesting how this revelation came to me. Finally, I don't know where I was walking along, and I finally just stopped just midstream in my walk and said, how come all the talking? I said that out loud. Why don't you just put up or shut up? And I realized something without having all the knowledge of the word I have today. He needed my help. Otherwise, why all the talk? If he could kill me with cancer, what's he waiting on? What's he waiting on? What's, what's with all the talk? What's with all the, if you've got it, you got it in your gun, you got the ability, just do it. Go ahead. Hit me. With it. And he could. I found out he, could, he couldn't. Amen. Because I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I don't belong to Him. I'm not a child of the devil. I'm a child of God. Amen. I'm born of the Spirit. I'm alive unto God. I have a covenant with God. It includes health and long life and provision and safety. I didn't even know that all then. But I learned something just by deducing that He has to have my help to have His way with me. And I just realized, I ain't giving it to you. I'm still here. Hallelujah. He learns that line of attack doesn't work with me anymore, so he just comes up with different stuff. But see, he's not creative. He's got one line of attack. He just got one line of attack. If you can learn his one line of attack, you've got him whipped in every arena of your life. And it's going to be a thought coming against your mind. A thought coming against your mind. And yeah, he's going to work and do whatever he can in the circumstances like, ooh, look at this pretty shiny object, like destruction and death, and you're going down, and oh, it's not working. Ooh, like this doctor's report. See that? Ooh, you're going to die sure enough. Remember that? I told you. Bright, shiny object. What he doesn't want you looking at is the promise of God, the Word of God, the covenant of God, the goodness of God, the power of God, the faithfulness of God. Oh, my God, don't look at that. You've got to be all occupied with symptoms and circumstances and emotions and feelings. None of that is faith. None of that is faith. What you feel in your emotions has nothing to do with faith. If you're going by that, if you, if you think and determine your feelings matter, you're whipped. You're whipped. I have feelings just like everybody else, but that's not my faith in operation. How many of you have ever been made to feel fear? And really not even have any circumstances... That would warrant that, but all of a sudden a foreboding sense of heavyweight fear come on you. That's not you. That's a spirit of fear. Going to show up and make you feel that and see what you do. If you talk in agreement with that, oh, he's got you now. See, you're authorizing him to work in your life because you're speaking in agreement with him. Preaching good already. What did I say? Remember this word? Why, this word wrestle means to sway. To sway. Oh, God couldn't love you? You pretty thing thinking Jesus forgave you. He didn't forgive you. Look what you did. He might have forgiven a lot of people, but He's not going to forgive that. You think you're going to do that for God? You think you're going to launch out and be a missionary? 
What are you thinking? He can tell you about all the missionaries that went out overseas and failed, fall flat on their face, got sick, died, starved their families out. He's trying to sway you. All right? I think we'll end uh, today over in uh, Romans 4. And I want to give you an answer to combat this. Right? It's all about resisting. We're learning about, okay, this line of attack is this assault on my mind. Well, let me remind you as you're finding Romans 4, what is faith? Well, if you look it up, faith means several things. Faith means trust. Trust. If you have, uh, you, you know, if you've had faith in me, you trust me. You trust me. Do you trust me? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Faith means belief. This is an interesting word describing faith. It means fidelity. Now, when I think of fidelity, right, I'm thinking about loyalty. I expect my wife to practice fidelity with me in my marriage. That means she's loyal to me. And I have a guy on the side. I'm loyal to her. I'm, I practice fidelity in my marriage, right? So faith in God is what? You're loyal to Him. You're loyal to Him. His word carries weight with you. More weight than some stupid thought the devil wants to try to get you to think. His word carries more weight with you than what you're thinking, what you're looking at, what you're feeling, what the devil's saying. Yeah, he deserves that kind of faith. He's earned it. He's worthy of it. The word faith means assurance. What's that? You could say it just very simply. What is faith? I'm sure. You say, are you healed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure I am. Are you sure? Right? Well, the honest answer to that question will tell you whether or not you're in faith or not. Are you sure? How many of you came over from Illinois today? How many of you used the I-24 bridge? How many of you had a foreboding thought about coming across? No, you were sure. You were sure, right? You were assured. Did y'all inspect the bridge? Did you interview? Do you know anything about the guy that built it? Was he union or non-union? <laughs> Did you check the news? Maybe it was hit by a barge last night. You just hurled yourself out over the Ohio River, didn't you? About 100 feet up in the air. Based on what? Your confidence that the bridge will do its job. Right? God's Word is your bridge between your amen and there it is. Come on. I like this word. Faith means reliance. I'm relying on. You relied on that bridge to hold you up. You relied on it. We have natural human faith, right? I rely on Brett. I rely on him in certain areas. I rely on my staff. I rely on my wife. Right? That means I'm leaning. Meaning, if I'm relying on some, if they don't do their job, I fall down. Because I'm all in leaning on what they're supposed to be bringing. We make commitments financially in this church because we're relying on your continued faithfulness with your tithe. Right? So, but lastly, and this will kind of end with this thought, is uh, the thing that kind of lit my fire is this word persuasion. Faith means to be persuaded. 
So the, the battle of your faith comes down to this. And I'm giving you my title in my closing. Are you persuaded or swayed? You think about what you came in today with your greatest need, your greatest desire, thing that you're wanting and believing God to do for you. Four or five things, think about them. Right now today, sitting there, are you persuaded that it is done and it is so? Or are you swayed? Or are you teetering between the two? Amen. This is what it comes down to. Whether or not you're going to live or die, be healed or not. Whether or not that money's going to come or not come. Right? Whether or not your kids are going to be divinely protected like His promised in the Word. All the different promises. Are you persuaded or are you swayed? Well, here's how we're going to close today with how do I get persuaded and stay that way? Right? Amen. And it's not going to take but a minute or two. I know my wife doesn't believe that, but she needs to have faith in me. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. Looking at verse 16, Romans 4, 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise, that this is a promise concerning the blessing, might be sure to all the seed. Now, that's you and me. We're the seed. Not to only those which is of the law, talking about Jewish people, but to those also which are of the faith of Abraham. Again, that's you and me. Who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee, Notice God said this. I have made thee, Abraham, a father of many nations. Ha, ha, ha. Sure, man, I can't tell it. I have no kids. My wife is barren. I am barren. Viagra won't come along for another, I don't know how many thousands of years. I have no fertility doctor. We don't have artificial, we don't have any of that. I am a hundred years old, and you say, I'm not only a father, but the father of a... (laughs) What a whopper! When did God say this to him? In his barren condition. In his childless condition. Notice the phrasing. I have made you the father of many nations. You wouldn't be changing the grammar at all to say, you are the father of a multitude. <laughs> and that's what that's what God told him. And so before him whom he believed, Abraham believed God, even God, who quickens the dead. I've been meditating on this all week. This phrase, God makes dead things live again. That's really been blessing me. Right? You got a dead organ on the inside of you? God makes dead he quickens the dead. He makes dead things live again. You got cancer cells on the inside of your body? Those are dead cells. God makes the dead alive again. How about a dead marriage? God makes dead marriages alive again. How about dead finances? (laughs) Hallelujah. He quickeneth. He makes alive. He quickens the dead. Oh my goodness, this is what God does. This is what our God does. This is what Abraham did by believing in God. And how does the phrase end? The ultimate catchphrase? The point he's wanting us to get? God who quickens the dead, who calls those things which be 
not as though they were. That's what faith does. That's what faith does. That's what God did with Abraham. You're not the father of many nations, but I say you are. And because I say you are, you are, because I'm God. And his job was to say, that's right. I agree. Do your thing. Amen. And there was standing and 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 standing. But God said, Say, Father, I'm a year older. I got another wrinkle. I saw it. This thing's looking worse, not better. Looks like my faith's working in reverse. But God said, Abraham, you're the father of a multitude. That's what your name means. I'm the father of a multitude. Come here, Sarah. We've got to be doers of the word. And we've got to keep believing that we're going to have a baby. Amen. This word calleth, it means summon. If you get a court summons, what's that mean? Baby, you better show up. A call has gone out. You better show up. So this word is summon. You might want to write that in your Bible. Faith calleth. Faith summons from heaven. Things that be not in the natural. And because I summon them, they have to show up. This is what faith does. Faith looks into the realm of the Spirit. How can you do that? By faith. Just by faith. See, your healing already exists in its invisible form. And you summon it by calling yourself healed while you're not. You call yourself funded when it looks like you're not. You call yourself blessed when it looks like you're cursed. You call yourself strong when all you feel is weakness. You call yourself full of joy when you want to give up in despair. And you're summoning all that God has promised and made available in that realm of the Spirit. And it will show up if you'll be persuaded and not swayed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now verse 18 says, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, or what God said he was. According to uh, that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. Now notice this. And not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body. I wrote in my Bible, circumstance. I really don't have an issue in my body right now. But the circumstance. This is how you're not swayed to the enemy in closing. You don't consider it. You don't consider it. The devil wants to talk. Don't, don't let him know you're listening. Let the devil talk. Let the devil threat. Let the devil speak. You can't stop him. You can't stop it. You can bind. You can plead the blood. You can do all that. But you cannot make him be quiet. You cannot make him be quiet. He's got a right to be out here until the devil comes and locks him up. And as long as he's running around, he's got a mouth. And he's going to use it to try to sway you and persuade you. What Abraham did when the devil whispered in his ear, old man, old man, old man, old man, ain't got a kid, ain't got one stocking on the mantle, old man, old man, who do you think you are going to have a baby? 
Oh man, oh man, your days passed by. God has forsaken you. That was 20 years ago. You, you, that wasn't even God. That was bad pizza and Pepsi. You thought you were having a spiritual experience. You don't think the devil chimed in his... But what did Abraham do? He did not consider it. In other words, he ignored it. Right? He considered not the, the deadness of his body. He considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider it. If you consider it, what's that do? If you think about what the devil says to you, your faith is weakening. It says he was not weakened in faith by considering not. Every minute that you spend giving legitimacy to what the devil tried to introduce to your mind, you are weakening your faith. And you're becoming more and more and more of a juicy prey. And I've, I've caught myself, ooh, Chris, stop it. Stop it. Mind, stop it. Just turn your back on that. Satan, you're going to have to talk by yourself. I'm not listening. Consider not. Amen? So he was not weakened in faith by not considering the circumstance he was dealing with. Amen? And then in verse 20, he staggered not. He didn't trip over the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strong in faith. How? By giving glory to God. And, I wish I had another session with you, but I don't until next week. He was fully persuaded. He was not partially persuaded. He was not 50% convinced. What does it say about him? Fully. He's fully convinced. He cannot be swayed. Why? Because he's already fully persuaded. He's already, you already lost him. You're too late to the party, devil. You can talk all you want, but I have already settled it. I am the father of a multitude. I'm not going to stumble. I'm not going to trip. I'm not going to get into doubt. I'm not going to get into unbelief. Why? Because I have met God. I have heard from God. I have tasted of His power. I have tasted of His love and faithfulness. It may not look like it, but I am fully convinced and fully persuaded and fully assured that He is able to perform that which He promised me. Woo! And God calls that faith. Because he's got nothing in the natural to base it on. But he's got God's Word. He has got God's Word. He, you and I, we have God's Word, saints. Come on, I don't know what it is specifically you're believing God for, but you need. if you're not going to be swayed, the way you're not going to be swayed is to spend time getting more persuaded. Come on, spend more time in the Word. Come on, get more acquainted. Experience His power, His anointing, His love, His goodness, His faithfulness. Fill your eyes, your ears with testimonies of victory. Come on, associate yourself not with wet blanket Christians, but people who are following God and hungry for God and moving for God and using their faith and getting results. And let them speak to you and preach to you and bop you on the head and give you an impartation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You don't have to be swayed by the stupid thoughts of the devil that are surely going to come, but you just be fully convinced, I'm fully assured, I am totally persuaded that God is able to perform what He promised. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. He'll sustain me. That's His job as my Father. Glory to God. But I am totally convinced you've lost me. 
I am persuaded. I am, I have been already convinced in my heart that this God I know, this God I love, this God I serve, He is able to heal my body, fix my marriage, protect my kids, pay my bills, give me peace, fill me with joy, lead me, guide me, talk to me, empower me, strengthen me, get me to the end, fulfill my calling, open the right doors, get me where I need to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. And a Christian like that, is, he's looking forward to come to church, praying he's not coming to church like... Hallelujah. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Come on, stand up on your feet. You should have been up on your feet already. Come on, let's give Him praise. Let's give Him glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, you're so good. So good. So good. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You know, to doubt God, to doubt God is to tell yourself and everyone around Him, you don't know Him very well. You just don't know Him well enough. But the more you get to know Him. You know, sometimes you have a good impression of somebody, but the more you get to know Him, man, the more you want to hold your hand on your wallet when you're around Him. You know what I mean? But the more you get to know Jesus, come on, the more you get to know our Father, He's a good, good father. The more you get to know the Holy Ghost, man, how could you doubt him? How could you doubt him? How could you doubt him? So much of what faith, you know, that you need to get to know him. Faith is a walk with him. Faith is a walk with him. You got to get to know him. It's not just a, a, a button and a lever you, and out comes your healing. No, it's a, it's a walk with him. You got to know him. You got to love him. You got to let him love you. Amen. Get some help today? Yes. Hallelujah. I, got some, I preached myself happy today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. And if you're not persuaded, be honest with yourself. I'm not persuaded. You can get that way by deeply meditating in the Word of God. Get those promises out. Come on. Get those healing scriptures out. Get those provision. Get all those scriptures out. And just meditate on them. Pray over them. Confess them. Imagine yourself in them. Right? And those, the power in those Scriptures will get on the inside of you and convince you of their reality. And you can't be defeated and you can't be stopped when that happens. Amen? You've been very gracious. Gave me 11 extra minutes. But uh, hallelujah. Listen, we love you today. Your faith is the greatest thing, one of the greatest things God gave you. It's what you're going to use to overcome everything in the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. My faith, right? Not your pastor's faith, your faith. Say that to yourself. My faith, my faith, my faith, my faith gives me victory over everything that's in the world that's coming against me. Amen. All right.